Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John and I am glad you're joining me here on the Bible in Life. Our aim, our goal on the Bible in Life podcast is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. And what I mean by that is Bible teaching, theology that's in the language of everyday life, set in the context of everyday life to help us follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's what we're all about here on the Bible in Life. And uh, if this is your first time joining me, man, welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, thank you so much for being a faithful part of the Bible in Life family. Before we jump into the topic of today's podcast, I just wanted to give you a highlight, something that I've put together that I believe will be very helpful to you if you want to dig in and study the scriptures, if maybe you're mentoring or discipling somebody who you're like, man, they really want to dig in and study the scriptures. I've put together a free 30-page ebook. It's available on my website, both the listenerscommentary.com site, but as well the johnwhitaker.net website. So you could swing over to johnwhitaker.net. And uh, you just click the join button. And what that basically means is you, you end up on my email list and you put in your name, your email, and you will get free access to this ebook. It's 30 pages and it's aimed at being a guide to help you both hear and heed the Bible well. It, it gives the five spheres of context that we all need to know if we're actually going to understand, read, hear, understand the Bible well. So five spheres of context, and then it gives five key practices for putting the Bible into practice in your life. And so it is a guidebook aimed at helping you hear and heed the Bible. Totally free on my website. And so if you want to dig into the Bible more, if you've got questions about the, the big story of the Bible or how to read and study the Bible, it also has like two pages of uh, resources, both online resources that are totally free. It's got a few books that I would recommend and those resources as well. And so it's got a couple pages of resources as well as the all the content to help you hear and heed the Bible. So that's totally available. Just came out last week. Wanted to let you know about that. Um, so that if you're interested in that, you could swing over and get that free book. All right. This past Sunday, June 5th, was Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar. And the churches that I've historically been a part of have not really paid too much attention to the church calendar. And so maybe you find yourself in that same situation. What is the church calendar? What do we mean by that? You know, we, we at least know about Christmas and Easter, but there were various feast days or holy days, holidays that have been historically part of the church calendar. One of them is Pentecost and Pentecost comes 50 days after Easter. Um, and it commemorates and celebrates what happened in Acts chapter 2, where God poured out his spirit and the spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish feast day that came 50 days after Passover. Well, on that particular day in Acts chapter 2, uh, God poured out his spirit upon the apostles and then uh, upon 
all those who believed in Jesus. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were baptized. And Peter, in his speech to them, said that uh, this gift, this gift of the Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for as many as the Lord will call for to himself. And so, Pentecost celebrates and commemorates the giving of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is one of uh, those parts of our Christian experience that sometimes we're just confused about. We don't understand who is the Holy Spirit, what's his role, what's his purpose in our Christian life, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit, how do I do that? We just have questions about the Holy Spirit. And so I thought, uh, in view of some of those questions that I have been asked that uh, people have, it would be helpful just to spend a couple episodes here on the podcast exploring the Holy Spirit and both his nature, who he is, and his purpose and his role in our life as followers of Jesus. So over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. And that begins here on this episode where I want to just talk about who is the Holy Spirit. And I was reading a book a number of years ago, and I, I could sympathize with what this guy said. I think a lot of us could sympathize with this guy's kind of general description of how oftentimes our relationship with, our understanding of the Holy Spirit feels as Christians. And he's like, I, I get God the Father. I can, I can make sense out of that. I obviously get Jesus Christ, right? He was a human being. I can see at least him as I conceive him in my mind. I can read the story. So I get God the Father. I get Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit, when I try to think of him, it's just like this gray oblong blur in my mind. And oftentimes that's the way we feel about the Holy Spirit. Like, who is he? What's his purpose? And what's his role? And what are we even talking about? And so let's just begin by talking about who is the Holy Spirit. He's so behind the scenes, it seems, that, um, you know, we just often don't think about him much. Um, and so who is he and what's his role in our life? So let's start with that question. Who is the Holy Spirit? And the first thing to make sure we make really clear is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Just like Jesus is a person, just like God the Father is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person. That means he's not an it. We don't refer to the Holy Spirit as it. He's, he's, a, he's a person, not an it. He's not a power, right? We're not just talking about some sort of power field or power force or anything like that. He's not an it. He's not a power. He's a person. And you see this in passages, for example, like Ephesians 4.30, where it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the response of, that's the experience of, that's the emotion of a person, grief. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30 says, and grieving, that a, a, a power force doesn't do that. A person does. The Holy Spirit can comfort people. You read that in the New Testament as well, the comfort or the consolation of the Holy Spirit. Or uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 talks about how the Holy Spirit teaches, uh, being taught by the Spirit. He teaches. These are all activities of or reactions of persons. In fact, the Holy Spirit um, is compared to another person. Jesus 
talking in John chapter 14. It's the upper room discourse right before Jesus is going to be crucified. He's talking to the 12 as they're gathered around the Passover meal, the Last Supper together in John 14. And John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus mentions that he's going away, um, but he's not going to leave them as orphans, um, that his father will send another helper to them. That's the phrase, another helper. And he's referring to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is described then as another helper. Here's the thing that's really clear in the original language, not quite as clear in English. In Greek, there were two different words for uh, other or another. There's another of the same kind, and there's another of a different kind. Which word do you think it is in John 14 when it says, um, I'm leaving, but the Father will send another helper? Well, it's another of the same kind. In other words, Jesus is saying, God's going to send his spirit, and he's like me. He's the same kind of person I am. And so the Holy Spirit is compared to Jesus there. He's a person like Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is a person just like God the Father is a person, just like Jesus is a person. And just to make that explicit, it's not just that he's a person, he's a divine person. Uh, that is, he is indeed the spirit of Yahweh himself. He is a divine person. And so you'll see as you read through your New Testament that the spirit is sometimes referred to as the spirit of God. For example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 8 uh, Almost in passing, you'll get these kind of statements where it says this. Uh, so he who rejects this, Paul's teaching, is not rejecting man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Notice that, that God here referring to God the Father. And it says that God gives his Holy Spirit to you, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Or again, 1 Thessalonians or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read you verse 11 out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. It says this. It says, "For who among man or who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man uh, which is in him?" Well, even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit. So he's described as the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. Uh, not only is he described as the Spirit of God in the New Testament, sometimes he's actually described as the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Important little text for a variety of reasons, but just listen to what it says here about the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, However, you are not in the flesh... But in the Spirit, uh, these are categories for uh, modes of operation, modes of living in human experience. And so you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. As we already saw, he's described as the Spirit of God. But not only that in this verse, um, he goes on, he says, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. And so he's the Spirit of God, but he's also the Spirit of Christ. Um, we see the same sorts of things, for example, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, where he's described as the Spirit of his Son. 
the Spirit of God's Son there in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. But uh, God sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So he's the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God's Son. And so the Holy Spirit is a person, and he's a divine person. He is one of the members of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit. So he's a divine person. And that last little point about him being described as the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God's son, the spirit of Jesus, helps put a face on the Holy Spirit. Um, In other words, he is the same kind of person as God the Father. He's the same kind of person as Jesus himself. He has the same character as Jesus. He has the same character as God the Father. He has the same desires. He has the same will. He loves like Jesus loves. He loves like God the Father loves. He's patient. He's kind. He's full of peace and joy. In other words, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, these are describing the things the Spirit produces in us because they're the kind of traits that the Spirit himself has. You can't give what you don't have, right? So the fruit of the Spirit is love. Why? Because the Spirit is full of love. Just like God the Father is love, well, the Spirit is love. Just like Jesus loves people, the Spirit loves people. Or joy, the Spirit is full of joy, and he gives that to those who walk with him. And so he has the same nature, the same character, the same desires, the same traits as God the Father and Jesus Christ. Well, when you put all that together then, what we get is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is God's presence now with us in the present time. Just as Jesus was described as Emmanuel, God with us, so now the way God himself is with his people today is by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God coming to dwell with us. And this is just as Jesus promised in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, says this, Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Then John explains what he meant. But this he spoke about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were going to receive. For the Spirit hadn't been yet poured out because Jesus hadn't yet been glorified. So when Jesus talked about rivers of living water flowing from his inner being, uh, John says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And those who believed in Jesus will be given the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit is God coming to live with God's people so that they have this river of living water. They have life flowing up within them and flowing out of them through the Spirit. And all throughout the New Testament, particularly New Testament letters, then we get descriptions of 
the activity of the Spirit or the presence of the Spirit in the lives of God's people. We already read Romans chapter 8, verse 9, how it talked about God giving the Spirit, His own Spirit to us, or the Spirit of Jesus. And it actually goes on there and says, if someone doesn't have the Spirit of Jesus, then he doesn't belong to Jesus. Let me read you a little bit more of that. Romans chapter 8, um, verses 9 through 11. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. If Christ is in you by his Spirit, that's how Christ is living in you, by his Spirit, as he says here. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you or dwells with you, the Spirit of him, that is the Spirit of God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, well then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. God's Spirit is now the way God is with us. He's come to live with us by his spirit. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, super well-known passage about our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Like, uh, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? Like, so, God's Spirit is in you. He is with you. He has come to dwell in you and with you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, talking about the whole church there in Ephesians chapter 2. The same sort of thing, um, this time in a corporate sense. It says this, Ephesians 2, 20, uh, that we, the church, God's people, don't think church building, think people. We, the church, as God's people, um, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, whom you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. A dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is, a, is God himself, a divine person, one member of the Godhead, and he is, has the same character as God the Father, the same character as Jesus Christ. And the first thing of significance about his work, his role in the present time is now he is God's presence with us. He's how God has come to be with us at the present time. And this in the total context of the biblical story, this is part of uh, restoring God's presence that was lost in the fall. If you go clear back to the beginning of the Bible, um, when man was first made, when they were in a state of purity and blamelessness, God walked with them in the garden, right? He would come and walk with them in the cool of the evening, it says, in the Garden of Eden. And there was this union between them and God, this fellowship, this partnership between uh, humans and God there in the garden. Um, and all of that was ruptured and lost when we as human beings uh, chose to be disloyal and break faith with our maker. And thus we were exiled from the garden 
and um, God's presence then was lost. Well, one of the great themes of the story of the Bible is God's desire to reunite us with himself. He wants to come and dwell with us. He wants us to dwell with him in his mercy and his grace. Even though we ruptured the relationship, God is working to repair the relationship. Well, he Obviously, in the person of Jesus, in the long story of the Bible, he came to dwell with us in the person of Jesus. John chapter 1 says that's how he pitched his tent among us. He tabernacled among us, right? Jesus has now ascended, but the Father has sent us another helper like Jesus of the same kind and of the same character. And so now the Spirit is God with us, restoring to us the presence of God that was lost in the fall. And certainly, we only have that in part now, right? Um, but uh, what we have is a significant part. God's Spirit dwells with us. And someday, we'll have that completely and fully when all things are made new. But in the present, we walk with God by walking with the Spirit, by living in partnership with Him. He is God coming to dwell with us. That's who the Holy Spirit is, and that's the first little piece, at least, of his role in our life as followers of Jesus. All right, so that gets us started thinking about the Holy Spirit, and where we're going to go in the following weeks is we're going to talk then about uh, what it means to walk by the Spirit. We're going to talk about What's different about the presence of the Spirit in this time period when he's God come to dwell with us in the age of the Messiah versus his work in the Old Testament? We'll talk about that next week. And we'll just talk about some of the ways we can then live in deep partnership with God by his Spirit and how the Spirit helps us live as disciples of Jesus. So that's where we're going to go with this. But in this episode, we simply got that set up and started by just trying to understand who the Spirit is. And so may you welcome the Spirit into your life. May you walk with him and live in partnership with him, knowing that the Spirit is the very Spirit of Jesus come to live with you and in you so that you could know God and you could become like Christ. Hey, I hope you have a great week in Jesus. And once again, thank you to all of you who make the Bible and life possible by your generous support and for your faithful prayers. And if you want to join the team of supporters, there's a link down in the notes below where you can do just that. Uh, may God bless you. May he strengthen you by his spirit for every good work. I look forward to talking to you again next week.